One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 140. Let me just start by saying that today's episode is golden. It is pretty much a how-to guide on how to get started and really start seeing some results from Pinterest. My guest is Kate All, the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media, a Pinterest management and marketing company. Through their work with over 700 Pinterest accounts, they take a data-driven approach to crafting a Pinterest strategy that aims to help their clients and students find their perfect person on Pinterest. Kate is also the host of the fantastic Pinterest marketing podcast, The Simple Pin Podcast. I need to say right now that you're going to want to take notes during this episode. And if you can't take notes right now because you're driving or otherwise occupied, I have a feeling that you'll want to go back and give this one a second listen. It is that good. In this episode, we discussed why Pinterest, how to approach your Pinterest strategy in 2022, three things that are working right now on Pinterest, how to get started now so that we can start to see some results by the end of the year, how to repurpose content you've already created on social media and other marketing platforms for Pinterest, the power of Pinterest ads and how to get started with them, and much, much more. Stay tuned through the end of the episode to hear how you can join a free three-day training hosted by Simple Pin Media. I cannot wait for you to hear and dig into this one. Here it is. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to have this conversation. We were just chatting before we hit record. It's the perfect time of year, I think, to be talking about Pinterest and thrilled to have Kate from Simple Pin Media to share her expertise with us today. So Kate, I gave you a bit of an intro in the lead up to airing this episode, but I'd love to hear in your own words a little bit about your business, how you started it and what you offer these days. Yeah. So our business is all centered around Pinterest marketing. It's called Simple Pin Media. And we've been doing that now for about eight and a half years. And I got into Pinterest management because Facebook stopped working. And so back in 2013, when Facebook had turned off basically any faucet to their um, Mm -hmm. business, their ads, you know, they wanted ads to really take hold. So they shut off the faucet to their business pages and people getting income. And I was working with a blogger who was really leveraging Facebook. And with this faucet being turned off, people were like, what do we do? Where do we go? And there's this thing over here called Pinterest. And it was just three years old. But some people were saying they were getting traffic for their business. And one of the biggest hurdles was that people had used it personally, but they didn't know how to use it for business. So that leap from personal to business felt so hard. And at the time, we were also a really poor family living on food stamps coming out of the recession. And a friend of mine suggested that I manage for people's Pinterest accounts. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, who's going to say yes to that? It's not even a Mm -hmm. thing. And she was like, well, you're poor, you should try. And I was like, great, sounds good. Let's try. So I began to just really investigate, like, would it be possible to manage for people? Would it be possible to teach people how to use Pinterest for business? And then third, is there any, are there, is there anybody who's going to say yes to that? Right. So I found three beta clients and they said, yes, we'll do it. And we started to do management. And what they saw was they were getting all this traffic from Pinterest that was new traffic. It was different than what they had gotten from Facebook. And so about nine months into that, I thought, wow, I kind of have a business on my hands and it's growing and people are telling other people, maybe I should actually choose to see this as a legitimate 
business and not just something as a side hustle. So I invested in coaching and grew it. And really today, I have an agency with over 100 clients and a team of about 30 and an education side for our business too that is all centered on Pinterest. So that's how we got here. That's amazing. What an amazing story. And I didn't realize your team was so big. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that many folks who are listening to this episode have probably heard... I mean, they definitely have heard of Pinterest and they may have started to think about how it can be useful in terms of marketing and not just like party planning and wedding planning. But I would love your answer on why do you think Pinterest is something that folks should consider adding to their marketing toolkit? Yeah, I think there's two reasons. One, we put Pinterest in the bucket of YouTube and Google, where the intent to use the platform has a search intent. So they go there looking for answers to problems or how to or dreaming into the future. And then we have Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook over there, which is very much a... I want to numb out. I want to follow somebody's life. I want to, you know, become warm to people. And really truthfully, like I use Instagram to numb out and just follow people and get lost in their life. So that's the number mm-hmm. one reason is that it's totally different than the other platforms like Instagram that a lot of people are investing in. And what that does is it opens the pathway to cold leads. Whereas like I just talked about with Instagram, there's a lot of warmth over there. I'm choosing to follow you. I'm choosing to say yes to consuming your story. Whereas when I go to Pinterest, I'm only thinking about myself. That's really it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like you're reaching people whose intent is what you have to offer, right? Like, I don't know, actually, let me back up. How do you find that most people are using Pinterest these days? My impression is that most people search and that's how they find things. But I mean, what, how would you address that question? No, I said, I think that's number one, a hundred percent. Like people go there with a question. So you think about like your, your users approach it to say like, where, what's the best vacation spot in Portugal? Or what's the best beauty products for women over 40? They get pretty specific. So that's number one. Number two is Pinterest. They build what's called this home feed, this smart feed. And their whole goal is that when you open up the app on your phone and you scroll through, you should actually see some of those things that relate to the questions that you've asked or the searches that you've done. So not only do people use it as a very direct search intent, but they go on there to kind of scroll through their home feed and see all these things that like they're interested in, whether it's they've searched for fall blazers, or they've searched for business tactics or whatever it is. Now my home feed looks like exactly what I want it to look like. So primary is search. Secondary is to discover new ideas. Mm-hmm. I am also picturing some listeners here who are feeling like, yeah, Pinterest is great if you're a wedding planner or you sell, um, I don't know, home decor items, but my business is X and therefore it's not a good fit. Who is Pinterest a good fit for and who is not? Who would it, Who is it not a good fit for? Yeah. I think it's always good to start with who is it not a good fit for. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if that's the best way to do it, but yeah. I, would, I would say if you're a local business that doesn't really have an online component, then it's not really good for you because you can't... So I'll say like an example of like a chiropractor or a dentist or really anybody I would say like in the medical field, if you don't have an online component where you can potentially sell some of your products, then that's a little bit more difficult. If you are mm-hmm. somebody who is targeting the male demographic that's 60 and older... I hate to tell you, like they're not on there, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to look at not only your demographics, but also what they're interested in and and what how you could serve them. So then we take kind of those small components out of it. We say, well, the top five are fashion, beauty, 
food and recipes, wedding, and DIY. Those those are the top five. But there's all also these sub niches that are getting a lot of engagement for the size of the audience, right? So sometimes people come to me and they're like, I see this uh, food content creator over here and they're getting so much traffic from Pinterest. Can I get that? Even though I'm talking about coaching people in intuitive eating. Probably not, right? Because you're in a different space. But that doesn't mean you can't get really great qualified leads from Pinterest who are very interested in what intuitive eating looks like. They're searching for it. So Mm -hmm. I think when people think about, is Pinterest a good fit for my business? We always tell people the number one thing is to go on there and first search your business name. Are people already saving content from your website or searching for you? That's number one. Number two is going to be looking at the questions that your ideal customer asks. Um, Maybe back to that intuitive eating piece. Maybe it is, how do I get started on intuitive eating? Search those topics and see what's there. And that will give you an indicator of whether or not pinners are already searching for that topic and if business is already over there too. Mm Mm-hmm. This brings me to the idea of keywords. I think a lot of people who are just starting out with Pinterest struggle to figure out exactly what are the words that they want to be showing up for. And do you have any tips for how to figure out the right keywords to use for your own business? And maybe to back up, if people don't know what the word keyword means, maybe define that a little bit. Yeah. So keyword is just simply the words that people use to find what they want. So we do that all the time on Google when we say like, um, well, I use Google in competition with my husband all the time to prove that I'm right. So I use keywords (laughs) that are are in my favor. Um, But it's really the same on Pinterest that if you are looking for exactly what I was talking about with intuitive eating, you might either use the word intuitive eating And when we put those in the search bar on Pinterest, what it does is it gives you search prediction underneath. And that tells you these are already terms that people are searching on Pinterest. And we think these are the most popular and most closely match what you're about to search. And that's the number one way you find keywords. A lot of people who do Google SEO optimization for their website will use Google keyword searches or any tools Pinterest doesn't have that yet. They only have searching natively on the platform or they have Mm -hmm. something called trends, which you can get to by going to trends.pinterest.com. And that's broken down between trends that are happening in keyword searches in the UK, the US and Canada. And that will tell you because Pinterest is very seasonal. That will tell Mm -hmm. you when the people on Pinterest are searching for a particular keyword and if it's even relevant for you to use. So if you put in intuitive eating, I don't think this would happen, but let's say you did, and the searches are super flat, the volume is almost non-existent, that tells you no one's really searching for it. Most of the time that happens with like really obscure terms. But for the most part, you can see that maybe people, if I had to guess, I don't have trends in front of me, so this really truly is a guess. (laughs) I would guess that intuitive eating skyrockets in searches January 1st, because somebody is trying to figure out how to reorient their habits and their lifestyle back to healthy eating. And so anything to do with healthy eating, wellness, exercise, that actually starts going crazy on Pinterest and searches for those keywords right around, well, December 26th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So knowing that it's going to be going crazy in terms of search volume around then, What does that tell you in terms of when you should be creating content using those keywords? Pinterest tells us you should start creating content about 45 days in advance of when that keyword hits its peak. So if we're looking at somebody in the health and wellness space, you would begin to create content pretty much right now to begin to lay the foundation so that people will save your content for later. And then when people do search those particular terms, December 26th, your content can rise to the top when uh, they put in those particular keywords. Now, there is one caveat to that. Is Pinterest added another pin format called idea pins. These are like mm-hmm. the hybrid between an Instagram story, a TikTok, and like a reel. Like they're kind of all put into one. Mm-hmm. Those are a little bit more immediate. Now, at the time of recording... 
Pinterest used to have these in bubbles at the top of the app to where you could see them right away. Just recently, they've removed those bubbles. So who knows, by the time you're listening to the recording, the bubbles could be back at the top. We're just not (laughs) sure. But these idea pins tend to get into the feeds a little bit quicker than a standard pin, which means you can post those idea pins a little bit closer to when the the high peak of the trend will be. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's really helpful. I know that you have some strategic elements that you suggest that everyone has when it comes to their plan for Pinterest. What can you share some of those with us? Yeah, I would say number one, the person who is wondering, they're listening and they're wondering, like, is Pinterest right for me? I would say number one is doing a 30 minute search on Pinterest and just using the app. We find that the people who understand how the app works and looks and how they feel when they engage with the app becomes a better marketer down the line. So that's number one, 30 minutes. For the app, do you mean like on your phone, the app yeah. or just Pinterest.com? Yeah, go to go to your app on your phone. You can do Pinterest.com and you can even do your iPad or your tablet. But I find that looking on the phone is the, probably the closest you'll get to an actual user experience. Mm-hmm. So just use your phone. Make sure it's updated. If you don't have the app, I would encourage you to add it because then you'll actually see what what I find is most helpful is how you can see the images because most people are seeing your images on there, which we'll talk about that being strategic in a minute. But that's really what I want you to look for is what do you engage with? What stands out to you as you're using the app? So that would be number one. Okay. Number awesome. two is have a fully optimized business profile. So there's two types of people when they start on Pinterest, either they have an old personal profile and they want to convert it to a business profile, or they just want to start new with a business account. Every business on Pinterest has to have a business account. I know on Instagram, they have like different types of accounts like creator or personal. Pinterest terms of service requires that you have a business account. If you want to merge your personal account into business, you can do that. But you just need to really be aware of what the profile says about your business. Meaning, is the top image reflective of your business? Is the description, is the URL there? Is it all kind of like your storefront at the top? And will people understand who you are and what you do? So that would be number one. Or number two is going to be make sure you have a business profile. The other thing to note too as well is I have a business profile, but I have a bunch of secret boards and they're Mm -hmm. all my personal stuff because I do get annoyed toggling back and forth between personal and business. I want like one account. So know that that's an option too, that if you do want to merge your personal into business, you can just move those boards to secret and still use them if they don't align with your brand. Mm -hmm. So... Boards, people have questions about that. So, boards are basically think of them like little tiny buckets of your content or your products. And Pinterest wants every account to have a board because then they can better categorize and save pins to them that are all in these very like categories. So, when we create boards, we choose a very simplistic board name, but very targeted. So, for that intuitive eating example, we might say, the beginner's guide to intuitive eating. Then everything in that board that's content or products closely matches people who are searching the beginner's guide to intuitive eating. So this tells the Pinterest algorithm that when people search, we talked about those keywords, they go, oh, this is an entire board dedicated to a beginner's guide to intuitive eating. We're going to show that to Susie over here because she just put in beginner's guide to intuitive eating. There's no magic number of boards that you can create. We just tell people, create the boards that closely match exactly what it is you talk about. You don't have to create boards that are adjacent to your niche or your products. You can just make it all about whatever it is you sell or create. So I'll pause here and see if you have any questions about that. No, that's great. So practical. I think I hope you're taking notes, listeners. (laughs) I will. I'll try to take some notes too in the show notes. But yeah, this is gold so far. Okay. The next layer is the images. So on Instagram, when we look at... When we used to have photos over there, we would look at photos. We would read underneath (laughs) to get context. People on Pinterest don't read underneath a pin to get context. It's very rare. 
So think of your images on Pinterest like billboard advertising. People only Mm -hmm. have one to three seconds to really size up in that image deciding, is this exactly what I'm searching for? So you want to really take some time to really nail your images, whether it's getting Pinterest templates that you can use in Canva. Those are great options for people who are not um, design forward, for lack of a better word. I am not design Mm -hmm. forward. I'm not very good at it. I'm terrible at Pinterest (laughs) images. Like... I might win the award for the worst Pinterest images. (laughs) So I know that's not my strength. So I actually have bought templates. I've hired people to create template packs for me. And I've hired people to create Pinterest images for me because it is a time suck for me and it will slow me down. So I look for my images to be branded with my colors. I look for it to have a lot of my own images. And then I look to use my font and have my logo to build brand awareness. And these images should so closely match what the pinner will click on and go to your site to receive. So if it is a beginner's guide to intuitive eating, the text on that image should say that because I am looking only at the image. And if I can see the beginner's guide, and let's say you have a PDF, a lot of people will put their PDFs like on a computer screen overlaid in Canva, or they will you know, do a printout. I have printed out actually some of my PDFs and had a photographer take pictures of them just on a Hmm. plain table so I can use them in my images because that allows the pinner to see, oh, I know what I'm going to receive when I click on this and go get my beginner's guide to intuitive eating. So the third is keywords like we just talked about. Um, Keywords with a pin. So we have our image. We add that to Pinterest and the pin underneath has a pin description. That should be one to three natural sounding sentences. Like you would send a text to a friend. That's pretty much it. And then the algorithm will know exactly what that pin is about. So these are really like the basic things that everybody needs to know and understand to really begin to get going on Pinterest. And a lot of times people will come to to us and say, how many images do I need to do? How many of blah, 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 blah. That's kind of cart before the horse. But <laughs> if you really haven't nailed your images or you really haven't updated your profile, it's not a business profile. You're really missing these key elements to build on as you grow your Pinterest strategy. So good. You talked a little bit about the fact that Pinterest came out with a new pin format sometime in the last couple of years, the idea pins. Yep. Um, How do you advise your clients decide when they're making content, like whether to make one or the other? Is there a certain kind of content that's better for an idea pin? What's the like ratio that you're advising? And I'm sure this changes all the time with like the algorithm changing, but what, where are you at right now with the way that you advise people to kind of choose between the different formats? Yeah, great question. And I think it is kind of a moving target right now. I'll say that. But I'll Mm -hmm. say um, we look at more... For years and years, we only had one type of option to pin to Pinterest. And that was the standard pin. So we call that like our flagship pin. It's the foundation. You always want to have at least one to three, depending on how much content and images you have, going out to your boards per day. And you can do this through a scheduling tool. There's lots of options. But this main format, we tell all of our clients, if a client came to us and didn't have any standard pins, we really couldn't work with them. We would be like, we got to create a bunch for you because this is going to be your foundation. And then Pinterest added video pins. And these have had weird iterations over the years. Pinners have really struggled with video because it feels very invasive, right? Because Pinterest... The joke is that it's the introvert's platform. Like, (laughs) why are you talking to me here? Like, they're not used to comments. They're, if they are, they think it's spam. And so video (laughs) has felt intrusive, a little bit like a speed bump. But they've really gotten over that in the last couple of years. So when we, we think of video, we think of it as very short form, less than 30 seconds. And not so much of you necessarily, like of you talking, but showing like the features of a product or a little bit of behind the scene or something that's really going to help them connect a little bit more with the idea or the the product that they're about to consume. 
And then Idea Pins was added in 2020. It was originally called Story Pins and they moved them into Idea Pins. And Idea Pins are very much like if I had a piece of content, let's say I had a blog post and it was that beginner's guide to intuitive eating, I would take an Idea Pin, which is broken down into slides, again, very similar to like an Instagram story. And I would talk in those slides, maybe just via text. And this is especially great if somebody doesn't want to show their their face on camera. Mm -hmm. The first opening slide would be just a cover image, the beginner's guide to intuitive eating. Step one, a little bit, step two, step three. And then when you got to the fourth slide, you could say, if you want more tips and ideas, visit intuitiveeating.com or something like that. And so it's a very much a short form format in idea pins because they don't link to your website. Now that's like the big difference between a standard pin and an idea pin. Standard pins, you click a pin, goes to your website. Idea pins, you click on the profile, it goes to your Pinterest profile. So the user does have to do a little bit more digging. So in those idea pins, you want to give them enough value that it pushes them to really want to learn more from you by coming to your profile and then coming to your website and searching around. Awesome. So those are probably not as good for like super promotional content. You know, I would say they are a good... um, If I had to look at the whole, I would say what I love about them is it adds an element of a diversification because Mm -hmm. right now Pinterest is really pushing them because they know they need to keep people on the platform longer to appeal to advertisers. So again, Mm -hmm. kind of back to that Facebook thing that I talked about in the beginning, they want to keep people on the platform longer to sell more ad space. So it's you want to have your pillar be your standard. So if I was taking one blog post, I would make two to three pin images that are just standard pin images Video is, you can either do it or not do it. I say it's a take it or leave it. We don't do it. And then third, Mm -hmm. we do idea pins that kind of encapsulate the high level of that blog post. So now I have two opportunities to reach people. And I actually like that. I think it's a great way to kind of diversify the type of content you're putting on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And do you do more of one or the other? Do you kind of split it down the middle? You know, we usually do more of the standard pins. So for someone like myself who has quite a bit of backlog of content, we have toyed with... We actually are playing around with it. We're kind of throwing out all the rules these days. So I'll (laughs) I'll give you a little behind the scenes of that. We did one month where we pinned 20 pins a day because we thought, will people be fatigued by this? Will What will happen? Nothing really happened. Like it didn't dramatically increase our traffic. It did a little bit. Mm. But then we realized, because before that, we were doing five to seven pins a day. Because I have about 300-ish blog posts, a little more than that. Mm -hmm. So we were able to do, I would say five to seven is a sweet spot. And then doing one to two idea pins per week. Um, Now we're testing just doing idea pins. Like what if we don't even do standard pins? I think Hmm. that'll negatively affect us, but I don't know that yet because we're still running that test. But I would, if I was to advise client wise, I would say majority is a standard pin and then one to two idea pins per week. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So this episode is coming out as folks are listening. It is October, early October, and we are into Q4. Folks are really thinking about the holidays. I would say like 80, 90% of my listeners, the holidays, the winter holidays are a very important sales time of year for them. Mm -hmm. What should they be doing right now in October, in November, in December, when it comes to using Pinterest to help them increase all of the results in their business, but especially sales? Yeah. Such a great question. So I would say number one is start pinning now. Like don't <laughs> don't wait until the holiday, right? So if you have not been on Pinterest in the past and this is your first holiday season, I want you to be thinking that this is a building season because you're going to come back next year and a lot of this older content, which is the beauty of Pinterest, will rise to the surface again. So we have clients who have been pinning on Pinterest since 2015. And every year, right around the holidays, when you get holiday-centric content, it brings them a lot of traffic. So that's the amazing snowball effect that you know seven years later, a pin can still bring you sessions to your page where you can make sales. 
The other thing is to really be thinking about the question. So if you're a product seller, what are the questions that your ideal customer is asking when it comes to buying gifts? How can you really start answering that in micro content? So either really small blog posts or those idea pins that I just talked about, how to pick out something or how to choose a a gift guide or, or something along those lines. And then number three is if you are a seller who has physical or digital products, you need to take advantage of the shop integrations on Pinterest. They have a verified merchant program that very much coincides with Shopify and WooCommerce. They have direct integrations or you can build your own catalog. But what this does is it gets you access to making sure that any pins that go onto Pinterest with your products are updated in price and they're updated in quantity, which has been a big pain point for sellers in the past where they'll pin something and then a year later, people are clicking on their website and it's like, well, I don't have that product anymore. These Mm -hmm. product shop pins, when you have this integration, allows that to be seamless and updates with your inventory. So if you have not taken advantage of any of those shop features, I highly recommend you do it now because Pinterest is leaning heavily into e-commerce over the next year. They just hired a new CEO that is coming from PayPal and Venmo. And they're really wanting to make Pinterest this place where people can make purchases very easily. So I would say those are some of the things I would take advantage right now. And then I guess a bonus one, which we can talk about this in a minute, is see if you need to leverage, you not need to, but you want to leverage Pinterest ads to get quicker in front of the buyer to help them figure out making the sale this holiday season. And Pinterest ads are a great way to do that. Yeah. I'm really excited to pick your brain about ads. Um, I have a couple questions I want to get to before that. Um, How do you think about creating the kinds of content that you post on Pinterest? So we are, all of our listeners for the most part are small business owners who have lots to do and limited time, um, as I'm sure probably most of your clients are. Um, How do we not be creating things from scratch for every individual platform all the time? Are there ways that you have found to use things and assets and language that you may have written for some other purpose or graphics that you've used elsewhere? How can you use those effectively as well on Pinterest? Yeah, repurposing, right? Like the mm-hmm. and not getting burnt out on all all the things. I would say number one is to have like a starting point. Um, if your starting point is your website and you're creating blog content from there, and then there is an element where Instagram does need a certain type of language and image, and Pinterest also needs a certain type of image and language. The one way that you can repurpose, especially between those two, is you could take a reel and you could repurpose that onto Pinterest. We have done that. In fact, if you went to pinterest.com slash simplepinmedia, you can see how we're repurposing some of it and really get the idea. But it's not everything. And I think Mm -hmm. that goes along with the intent we know the Pinterest user is looking for. For us, our Pinterest user loves our how-tos. So anytime we post a how-to tutorial or even a blog post or a guide, they love it. It goes crazy every single time. But we can't necessarily take videos that maybe I'm showing up on a reel, talking about it and walking through it because Pinterest users might not listen with the sound on. I know Instagram users don't, but they're more primed to turn it on. So... To really come up with an effective flow, I think it starts with what's the pillar, what's the starting point, and then beginning to think like, well, if Pinterest users are like my Google or they're like my YouTube, how can I take maybe some of that content and repurpose it over there? But it's really all about like gearing towards the platform a little bit. And I'm I'm really cautious in that because what I see a lot of people doing is they take an image a reel or something from Instagram and they just slap it up on Pinterest and they're like, why isn't this getting any engagement? It's like, well, it's not getting any engagement because you built it for a different platform. You were talking Mm -hmm. to different people. Like people on Pinterest don't know about you. So -hmm. they're not going to pick up on inside jokes or they're not going to pick up on things that your community on Instagram might pick up. So the great part too, I have to say this, is that 
Pinterest doesn't take a lot of time once you get into the rhythm of creating for it, right? I think it's just initially not trying to, you know, we talk about repurposing and everybody feels like it's like the, the, I guess, mecca of like the online marketing scheme. Like if you can repurpose everything mm-hmm. and never have to create anything new again, you like hit the jackpot, but you just can't do that when it comes to Instagram and Pinterest. Like you do have to think about it through a different lens. Mm-hmm. That brings me to a question that one of my making good happen members asked, which is how much time does it take to get started with Pinterest? Yeah. I think where she's coming from is like, uh, in particular, this is someone who makes um, like home goods, hand-sewn home goods, like for the oh. kitchen in particular. Yeah. And my guess is where she's coming from is, is it worth it to try to start now when the holidays are coming up so soon? Like, do I have time? But uh, yeah, answer that question how you will. Yeah, no, that's such a great question. And I want to say I get the intent behind it. And I'll say from my experience... I, and she may not be like me at all, but I'm just going to kind of speak of how I look at it is I don't want to start from a place of being depleted. I want to start from a place of having energy and knowing my why and knowing my intent. So if that means you just have to get through the holiday season and in January, you say, my initiative this year is to really invest a full year in Pinterest, make sure my shop integrations are set up, make sure all of these things are are ready to go, then wait till January 1st. However, if you're going into the holiday season and you're thinking like, yeah, I would really like to get this set up. I'm not going to get a whole lot this year. But maybe this will be really good foundation for next holiday season. I will put two hours a week or whatever invested into getting some of these things built and set up with the intent that I'm going to see my return on investment six to nine months down the road because Pinterest isn't instant. And I think that's another element to bring into it is that Instagram has a lot of things that create these dopamine hits for us, likes, comments, or whatever, and we can feel like we're doing something. Whereas Pinterest doesn't have a lot of that. So it feels boring if you will, like it's not very fun. So if I was to advise her, I would say, choose whether or not you have the capacity to start now or in January. And if it's now, get your shop integration set up and then get your business account set up. All of those things spend about two hours a week over the next month. And then just begin to hone your images after that, hone your keywords after that, and set your sights on next holiday season being the time that you really reap the rewards of the investment that you've put in. That's such a great answer. I want to talk a little bit before we wrap up about ads, because you mentioned already that ads might be one of those scenarios where you can bypass a little bit of the long waiting game that Pinterest is. So what for someone who's open-minded about exploring ads for their business, um, particularly in the next few months, What might that look like for them? Um, Just anything, I guess I don't have a super targeted question, but just what's a little bit of an intro to Pinterest ads? Yeah. So I would say you want to think about Pinterest ads as kind of a, a level up of a regular pin. You're just putting money behind it. And that's what we love about a Pinterest ad is it's Pinterest has worked really hard to make ads look like they're native to the platform. Like they're not an interruption, right? It's hard to tell that they're an ad. In fact, even me, who's super seasoned at looking at Pinterest, I will click on something thinking I'm going to read more and save it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is an ad. Like I didn't even know, right? So I think that's an advantage right there. But number two, it's to think about how you can get in front of people who are doing a specific targeted search much quicker than you could organically. So you can put money behind it and say, this... Anybody who searches Beginner's Guide to Intuitive Eating, I would like to be, I would like you to put me top of that search, obviously for X amount of dollars, right? So you begin to think about like how I want people to think first about how much money they have to invest in advertising and why. Like, I think that's the greatest hurdle that we face in teaching people is that they either come from Facebook and they have a lot of Facebook and Instagram ad education. And they overlay that on Pinterest and it's not the same, right? We have that, we go back to that same user experience. Like Facebook and Instagram ads take about a, 
I don't know, 10 minutes to optimize, maybe an hour. Pinterest ads take two weeks. And so you're looking at a longer investment Mm. time. So that's number one that I tell people like, please don't come from your experience with Facebook and Instagram and put them onto Pinterest. It's just different. So a lot of our people will spend probably about four weeks learning what the best type of ad is and how they want to target their audience. And then they're going to set aside about six weeks of budget can be pretty small to invest in helping the algorithm place their ad in the right place. But once we find that this ad gets in front of people, it really does leverage the results that they want. Like saying, okay, somebody who gets into my intuitive eating guide, they join my membership down the line. I know how to convert them. So I'm willing to spend $2 a lead because I know that's going to pay me $67 down the line or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to leveraging it for e-commerce, it really comes back again to what are people searching to find your products? And we do a lot of people who have handmade. That's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. Handmade jewelry or beauty products. And it's all about figuring out the targeting and the keywords that you're going to use and really nailing your image. Because again, you're going to be seen in the feed alongside a bunch of different other um Pinterest images and you want to really make sure that it it stands out and people know exactly what they're getting when they come to your website. But I think right now I will say our ads department is loving working with e-commerce sellers the most. And I think part of that is because of how much effort Pinterest is putting behind their e-commerce like push and how they also want to help e-commerce sellers. We do think it's good for people who want to get email leads too, a little bit harder than e-commerce because there's not this real clear direct line to if I spend X, someone you know pays me X mm-hmm. and I can do the trade-off. But I really like Pinterest ads too because once you run that ad, let's say you're done with it, that pin still lives on the platform. Like it's still getting this residual engagement long after you've turned off your billing. And it doesn't, it doesn't go away. So mm-hmm. it's just a different way of looking at it. But I like to tell people you know, really prepare for six to eight weeks. Like it's not a quick win. Um, We often too will tell people prepare for the holidays. Sometimes all the way back is June for some of your ads (laughs) too as well. We're still, you know, like I think with the time of recording, like we're kind of in the thick of it with holiday, but I don't want to discourage people from waiting until it's over. At least start and play around with it and see what other, see what else you can do with Pinterest. Because I think too often... We see people come to Pinterest, they spend 30 days, they get super frustrated and they declare it doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's long enough. Yeah. So with ads, you mentioned like you can have a small budget when you come into this. What would be like the smallest amount of money that you would suggest someone allocate to this over the course of, like you say, six or eight weeks? Yeah. I'm pretty sure if my Pinterest ads director was here, she would probably say something different, but I'm going to go on. I'm going to go with mine (laughs) and then she can correct it later. We have a, she does all of our training. So I would say $15 a day. Um, And I've heard of, I think for a long time, people said 10. She would say 15 is probably on the small side. And then probably in more the 35 to 50 range is what you're thinking, especially to get it up and running if you want to go a little quicker. So I know for us with our ads, we're running ads right now, actually, surprisingly, to our Pinterest ads checklist, which then gets people (laughs) into our training, right? Like that's what we're using Pinterest for, which is funny. But I think we are doing probably between 25 and 50 a day on that. Okay. No, that's really helpful. So speaking of Pinterest ads, I know that literally, I think the day this episode comes out, you and your business are kicking off a workshop series, I believe, about Pinterest ads. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, we have. Yeah, starting on October 17th, we do a three-day, but you can get into it when this um, launches. There'll be a link. There's a three-day training Sorry, just interrupt. Is it the 17th or the 11th? No, the 11th is when you can join. It starts on the 17th. So um, it's like 
Yeah, getting people in and advertising and opens the doors open for you to get into the Facebook group and begin to get ready for the workshop. If you don't have Facebook, don't freak out. It'll be on Zoom. I know a lot of people are like, I hate Facebook. I never want to be on there ever (laughs) in my life. So no, on the 11th, you can begin to um, sign up for the training. And then 17th, 18th, and 19th is when all three of those days will have a 30-minute training taught by our ads director. And our ads team is actually in there too to help answer questions. So you can decide... You can learn about Pinterest ads and what you need to get set up for Pinterest ads so that you can decide if that's the route that you want to go down. And you can add ask our Pinterest ads director any questions. It's really like a... I kind of think it's an info session for Pinterest ads. So you can really see what all is involved and whether or not that is a path you want to go down. So three days, workshops, learn all you can about Pinterest ads starts on October 17th. Awesome. Yes. And we are going to have a direct link to that, which is going to be makinggoodpodcast.com slash ads. So if you're listening to this on the go, you can feel free to go straight to that link. It'll also be in the show notes for this episode. But um, yeah, makinggoodpodcast.com slash ADS to get access to that. All right, Kate, this has been like fountain of amazing resources. Thank you so much. I have a couple of questions that we wrap up every episode with. Yep. The first one is how do you approach doing good through your small business? Such a good question. I would say, I would say there's two ways. One I really want to be a good and honorable leader for my team that really helps coaches and guide them through utilizing their gifts and their strengths and their talents in a way that helps them be really proud, right? And not so Mm -hmm. much for the business. Obviously, I get the benefit of having amazing team members, but I really want them to realize how good they are at certain things and to develop those gifts within the company. And I think... Also, too, I'm a big believer. Well, I'm a former foster parent. And so I'm a big believer in also giving financially out of our excess. So we do a lot to contribute to the local foster care community here in Oregon. And just really love that my business gets to make money so that I can give money to other nonprofits who want to impact. So it's pretty cool. I love that. What is one small business that you admire? You know, I don't know if you could say this is small anymore, but I really like following Sarah Blakely with Spanx and seeing Mm -hmm. how she has grown her business from the ground up and how they're really attentive to the needs of their customers and just a generally a good company culture, at least it's from the outside. Never talked to anybody who's worked there, but I just kind of admire it from the distance, you know, somebody with a dream and an idea who really hustled and Mm -hmm. grew it, but had a lot of fun. Yeah. Amazing. What is one business book, or if you have more than one, that's fine too, that you would recommend? You know, I really like E-Myth. It was one of the very first business books I read. And I find I go back to a lot of the lessons. I should read it again. It's been a while. But I I really love that book. And also um, Built to Sell. Fun. These, I don't know if either of those have come up yet from guests in the 100 and however many episodes we've had. So that's, (laughs) that's fun to add to the list. Um, Okay. Kate, where can listeners connect with you online? Where can they find more about Simple Pen Media and all of the different offerings that you have to help people really, really thrive by using Pinterest? Where can, where would you send people for that? Yeah. Well, I'd say first and foremost, since it's a podcast right now, go search Simple Pin Podcast. And that is where you can hear me teaching all about Pinterest and any of the latest updates. So I'd love if people would subscribe to that. And then you can certainly email, go to simplepinmedia.com. That's really like the Pinterest encyclopedia of all of our stuff (laughs) that you could ever need, want, I mean, it's all there. So you can go check out our free resources there and our shop too as well for Pinterest templates. If you're really struggling and don't go it alone, we want to help you. I don't want you to experience the pain that I feel. (laughs) Amazing. Yes. And absolutely check out that free class she has starting on the 17th. If you listen to this in time, 
That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash ADS. Kate, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for just sharing so generously all of your expertise and letting me literally ask whatever question came to mind. I really appreciate it. And I know this is going to be, this is going to be loved by my audience. So Mm. super grateful. So happy to be here. Okay. Were you as blown away as I was by this conversation? I am so, so, so grateful to Kate for coming onto the show and sharing such practical action oriented advice. If you enjoyed this conversation and you are curious to explore Pinterest ads as a way to see even more results from Pinterest, as we mentioned in this episode, you are most definitely going to want to check out Simple Pin Media's free Pinterest ads kickstart training. This is a three-day free training where you're going to learn how to prep your Pinterest account to be 100% ready for ads, how to do the best keyword and audience research to fit your business, how to design eye-catching ads that convert, and more. If you want to join this training, head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash ads. That's A-D-S. This link is just for the free training, but if you do decide to sign up and work with Simple Pin Media or join one of their programs after the training, Making Good will get a kickback, which will help to support this podcast. I know that I personally will be signing up for the training, and I would encourage you to do the same. Again, that's at makinggoodpodcast.com slash ADS. You can find everything mentioned in this episode on the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 140. I know that Kate and I would both love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram. Kate is at Simple Pin Media and I'm at Lauren Tilden. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways that you can give back to making good. First, I would be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player and don't forget to follow or subscribe. Second, if you have a friend you think would enjoy the podcast, you can send them the link. This episode is makinggoodpodcast.com slash 140. And finally, I would be delighted for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilton. I would love to cheer you on. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.